Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. This week, we continue with week two of Lies of Religion. In this series, Brandon explores many of the lies that church has told us over the years. In this message, Brandon looks at the lie that you can be dead in Christ. In celebration of Easter, it is important to realize that Jesus did not die in vain and wants all of us to be fully alive in Him. What's up, church? Man, oh man, are you glad you serve a God who is alive and not dead today, right? The tomb is empty. We have a promise of life through Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you by the looks on some of the faces I saw coming through the doors this morning, we need life in Christ. Like, like I could tell most of you beat your kids on the way here. I could tell by the look on your face. But, you know, I'm so, I'm so um, excited to know, I'm so thankful to know that our uh, life in Christ, it's not dependent upon a feeling. It's dependent upon a fact. And the fact is that Jesus rose from the grave, and through him we have eternal life. Uh, I'm just going to be straight up honest with you today. I, my prayer today is that many of you will come to life. That many people today who maybe have never experienced Jesus Christ and the life that he offers, that today you'll come to life in Christ. And maybe for some people, uh, it's been kind of going through the motions for most of your life. And, and my prayer today is that, that, that you would come to life in Jesus Because the truth is, guys, you can have life in Christ, not a feeling, a fact that Jesus is alive and that, listen, no matter what the circumstance of life comes, no matter matter what, what you wake up to tomorrow, you can have life in Jesus Christ. And my prayer today is that many people today will come to life in Jesus. Right? Everybody agree with me on that? It's going to be good. Listen, we're going to continue our uh, Lies of Religion um, um, series. Today, the lie is that I can be dead in Christ. I can be dead in Christ. What did Paul say? He said, I've been made alive in Christ. But I believe far too many people are walking around spiritually dead. And so today, we're going to jump in. We're going to jump in both feet. We're going to be in John chapter 11. If you want to turn there, we're going to pray. And then we're going to jump in John chapter 11, starting in verse 1. We're just going to read through this today, talk about its application and, and implications for us, and just believe that God is going to touch our lives and change our hearts in a radical and awesome way, and that we're going to walk out of here fully alive in God through the power of His Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, Lord, um, thank you. Thank you, God, that we can have life in you. Thank you, God, that we get to experience the miracle of going from death to life through your son, Jesus. God, I thank you that that you sent your son to take the wrath upon himself that was was really ours. And God, today I, I pray that we would place our trust in him. That God, we would know that you are good. That we know that, that, that you are there for us. So, so, God, right now I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that we would open our hearts wide to receive the seed of your word, God, and that it would grow and produce incredible fruit in our lives for your kingdom. God, I pray that you would be exalted today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's read uh, John 11. We're going to read verse 1. If you can turn there, if not, it'll be on the screen. If you don't have your Bibles, that's cool. It'll be up on the screen for you. But listen to this. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Let's stop right there just a second. The Bible says that he was sick. A couple of weeks ago, um, we kind of had a rough spell in our family. Um, Susan, my wife, she had to have surgery on her nose. She had a little cyst in her nose, and they had to go in and cut that thing out. And um, and, and it turned out it was nothing. They didn't think it was anything serious, but it still had to be taken out. Um, I also got a stomach virus at the same time. So she's like had surgery. She's knocked out um, and, and, and laying, you know, in the, in the recliner. I'm in the bed, you know, thank God for family and friends. We just like shoved our kids off on them for a couple of days and while we were trying to recoup and recover. And you know, the funny thing about it though, is like, you didn't have to tell us we were sick. Like we knew. Like Susan would look at me and she'd be like, I feel like my face is swelling. I was like, they just about cut your nose off to get the cyst. I know it, it's supposed to swell. And she'd look at me and she'd be like, is it still swollen? And she'd smile and be like this, like one side is smiling. And I'd be like, honey, I can't even tell. 
Like, if I didn't know you had surgery, I would have never known, you know, that, that, that anything had happened. She's like, oh, okay, good. And, and she's got stitches hanging out the side of her nose. I'm like, honey, you're beautiful. It, you're, you're all, I couldn't tell. If, if I didn't know, I, I, you know. And I'm laying in the bed, and like every 15 minutes, I'm like, oh, you know, to the back. I mean, we're, you didn't have to tell us we were sick. We absolutely knew that we were sick. No doubt about it. But the problem I see a lot of times with us is, as, as Christians and even as, as, as people who are just walking through life and going through the world, the thing that I realize is a lot of times we don't realize we're sick. I believe this first verse has great implications for us. Because they sent word and they said, listen, Lazarus is sick. There was no doubt. This guy was very sick. And the truth of the matter for us today is, listen guys, at the core of our being, we are sick. At the core of who we are, we are sick. And it's even worse than that. It's even, we're dead. The Bible says that apart from Christ, we are dead, spiritually dead. Lazarus knew he was sick. Everybody around him knew he was sick. My question is today, do we realize that how, how sick we really are apart from Christ? Do we realize that the problem is not, is, is, is not our external circumstance? You know, the problem is not our job. The problem is not our wife. The problem is not our husband. The problem is not our kids. You know who the problem is? It's us. Because at the core of who we are, we're sick. Listen, it's not porn. It's not addiction. It, it's, it's not anything other than the core of who we are is sick. It's, it, listen, if we can't establish that fact, we take all the power out of the gospel. If we can't establish the fact that you and I today are absolutely sick at the core apart from Jesus Christ, we are dead apart from Jesus. And see, here's the thing. The first realization I had with this verse is this. Many of us don't realize we are sick and dead. That we, we've gone beyond just, just a, a stomach. We, we, we are dead. The other thing that I realize is this. Many of us have forgotten how sick we were. Many of us have forgotten how sick we were. You know, when we first got saved, we were like, holy cow. We were so passionate, we were obnoxious, right? We were obnoxious. I remember I chased a lady through the grocery store parking lot one night trying to tell her about Jesus. She was pushing her groceries. I was like, I got to tell somebody about Jesus. And I'm just chasing her through. And she's like, no, I really don't need help. Just get away from me. And she's just walking, trying to go as fast as she could. I'm chasing her. Just obnoxious about Jesus because I knew, man, I had gone from death to life. But you know what? About six to nine months later, I started realizing that zeal and that passion was starting to wane. And you know why it begins to wane? We forget how sick we were. We forget what Jesus brought us from. And so many people in here today, you started out on fire. You started out, I mean, you were burning hot for Christ. And today, we can't even find a flame. There's not even a little bit left on the inside. And we've forgotten how sick we were. And you know what's happened is we've gone from being and living in a place of gratitude to living in a place of entitlement. We have. Come on, listen, church people. We have gone from living in gratitude to living in a place of entitlement. We have. We've gone from being pursuers of Christ to being panhandlers. Where we just come in and we, we, we just, it's almost like we beg God for things for us and we forget that there's an entire world that's dying. There's an entire world that's dead. There's, there's people in this church building every Sunday that, that, it's actually not a church building, but this building, it's a church when we're here, amen, because we're the church. And, and, and we're in this place where, man, people are dying and they need to know Jesus. But, but we've lost our fire, we've lost our passion. The third thing that I would say, and the, the third uh, thing that I realize about people is this. There are many people in here today who just lost hope. You've lost hope. And you're in a place where you think it's never going to get any better. And you used to have a little bit of hope. Maybe something will happen. Maybe it'll get a little bit better. And you know what? It's gone. And you're sitting here today, and out of everybody here, you would probably say, I am the most dead in this room. At the core of who I am. Listen, you're saying, you don't have to tell me I'm sick. I know I'm sick. And I've lost all hope. You've got so many wounds. It's just, you, just, you, you know you're dead. But I want you to hear the, the rest of this section right here, down to verse 6. 
It says, this Mary, whose, Lazarus, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, listen, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and his, her sister Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was, that was, Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Listen, Jesus looked at him. He's like, listen, I know y'all are in a bad place. I know you know he's sick. I know you know that if I don't come, he's probably going to die. But he says, this sickness doesn't have to end in death. This sickness doesn't have to end in death. Because of what Christ did on the cross for us. Not just, listen, we always talk about how great, good, you know, thank God for the cross. You know what? That was a bad day. The day the Son of God dies on the cross, that's, not, that's never a good day, right? The day that, that we remember is Sunday. Because when he took all the wrath on God, of God on himself, God saved us from himself. Jesus died. They put him in a tomb. But you know what? He went down to the pit of hell and he kicked the devil in the teeth and he came back up and he, he rose on the third day. And so today you and I celebrate that. Today you and I celebrate the fact that he came out of the grave and because of that our sickness doesn't have to end in death. Jesus, listen, he, he has preached liberty to the captives. He, he, he came to break the chains off of our lives so that you and I can have life. Beyond our circumstances, beyond anything that comes, beyond whatever you face tomorrow, Jesus Christ wants to give you life. Listen, when you, when you seal up your eternity, when God is for you for eternity, what do we have to be worried about? And I want to tell you people who are, who are at the end of your rope and, and, and who are holding on for dear life and you think that all your hope is gone and you think that there's no remedy, let me tell you the remedy. It's Jesus. And if you'll let go of that rope, he's going to catch you. And you're holding on and fighting and fighting for dear life. And God's saying, if you'll just let go, I'll catch you. I'll give you life. That's God's desire. That's God's heart. That's his plan in this place this morning is he wants to give us life. He wants to give us life. Let's keep reading. Verse 5, let's go back up here. Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. Listen to this, though. Yet, when he heard that Lazarus was sick... He stayed where he was two more days. Yet he stayed where he was two more days. Don't you know that Mary and Martha were like, what? What's up, Jesus? What's going on? We just told you that he's sick. We know you love us. We love you. What are you doing? You ever felt like that with God? Like, God, if you love me, what are you doing? My question today is this. Do you trust him? Will you trust him? Do you believe that God is do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that God is for you? Will you trust him? Will you trust that if I put my faith in him, he'll bring life to me? That, that if I give myself to him, if I just jump in, listen, not putting my toes in the water, if I just jump in, that God's going to take care of me, that he's going to bring life when I think there is nothing, no hope for me. That's God's desire. Will you trust him? Will you trust him today with all that you have, all that you are, will you give yourself to him today and believe that God is the God that he says he is, that he is a life giver. I'm amazed at how many Christians think that God would rather kill you than bring life. That's, just, that's a distorted view of God. God's desire is to bring life today, bring life to you today. It, it is the working of the Holy Spirit that many people walk in here today in bondage and shackles to guilt and fear and, and, and anxiety, and we can walk out the doors today free. And here's the thing, you know what? You're going to walk out today, and you're going to be free, and you know what's going to happen tomorrow morning? That stuff's going to try to jump back on you. It's going to try to come back. So many people walk out of the doors on Sunday and like, man, gosh, this is a turning point in my life. And you know what? Monday morning at lunch, back to the same place. But you know what? Here's the deal, guys. God never said, come to me once and then don't ever come back. You keep going. You keep going to him. You keep laying it at his feet. And if you have to do it every second of every, every day, then, then you keep doing it. 
You keep going to the one who gives life and you stay attached to that source and you abide in him and you allow that life of God to flow through you. We die to ourselves, giving up our desires so that he can place his desires in us and we begin to live a life that is unbelievable. Even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of hardships, Christ's life flows through us. Listen to this, verse 8. Verse 7, then, then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Listen to this, but Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by daylight, or a man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. Let me explain this, this a little bit because it can sound kind of confusing. Basically, Jesus had, they had just tried to kill him in Judea a few days before, right? He finds out that Lazarus is sick. And he goes through this whole spiel about walking in the day and, and not stumbling. But if you walk at night, you'll stumble and you'll trip. You know what he's basically saying? Is he saying, I'm going to walk by the light of my father's will. And if they kill me, they kill me. But I'm going to do what my father tells me to do. I'm going to do what he has put in my heart to do. And here's the deal, guys. You've got to understand this. That Jesus would let nothing stand in the way of your rescue. Nothing. Even when it meant laying down his own life. He did it. Even when it meant the possibility of being stoned to death. He still went. He, he came for rescue how many of you like cats anybody like cats i'm gonna see how many people i'm gonna offend all right see i don't like cats right how many dog people we got in here oh yeah yeah dogs we got way more dog all right dog people if the cat people get mad it's your responsibility to take care of them all right listen dogs are awesome because dogs kind of know their place Cats have this whole superiority complex thing going on. Like, dogs know where they're at. They're like, look, man, I'm easy. If you'll scratch my belly, I will kick my leg and wet myself. And, and, it's, and, and I, he don't, they don't even make any, any pretense about doing anything else. A cat, you know, you've got to work for their affection, man. You know, and you never know exactly what they're going to do. One minute they're up in your lap and they're all, like, cuddly and you're petting them and everything. The next minute they're, like, clawing your hand. Or they're up on your back or, or something like that. And I just don't like that. I don't, I don't like them. I, I don't trust them, right? Because I, they think they're smarter than you are, and sometimes I think they're right. It's like they just look there, and you're like, come here, kitty, kitty. And they're like, you're an idiot. And dogs are like, <laughs> you know, they just, man, they're awesome. I love dogs. You know, like the dog comes up, jumps on you, knock him off. He just comes right back. He don't care. You do that to a cat, he will go find another home. They just, cats are crazy. And I don't like them. I do not like them. I'm allergic to them. I'm like, you know, I don't like cats. And so the other day I was, I was out in, in our yard and somebody left our shop door open because um, everybody in the south got a little shop, right? And so there's a little shop back there and the, the, the door was open and I walked into the shop and I hear, meow. I'm like, great, there is a cat in my shop. And it was up in the rafters. And so I was like, maybe if I leave the door open, it will just come out. And so I, I walked off and, and came back later, and the cat ran out. And I was like, thank God, the cat is out. So I shut the door. Two days later, I walk into the shop, and I hear, meow. I'm like, oh, my gosh. But this time I knew it was a kitten. I was like, this cat has had kittens in the attic of our shop. Now I really hate cats, right? <laughs> And so I go out there, and I get, I get this pitchfork, and I'm like, it's up in the attic. And so I'm moving stuff around, trying to see the cat, and it's, up, it's like, meow, meow, meow. And I'm like, where is this thing? And so I'm moving the stuff around, and finally, I, I moved some, some stuff out of the way, and I saw it, and it was like hanging onto the rafters up there, like this. And so I took the pitchfork, and I just, bam, no, I didn't, I didn't do that. I, I seriously did not do that. It wasn't a pitchfork, it was a rake. No, I didn't, I did not hit the kitten, I promise, I did not hit the kitten. I'm not that mean. 
But, but I saw it, it was hanging on, so I got something, I got up there, and I grabbed it off of the rafters. And I walked over, and I put it down outside, underneath the shelter outside. And I went back in to look, and find, to try to find what I was looking for before I got distracted by that stupid cat, right? And so I'm in there looking for it, and I turn around, and I see the mama cat. Like 30 seconds later, the mama cat's coming up through there, and she's looking for me, because she knows, like, I don't like her. And so she's coming up there, and she's looking, and she comes up. I mean, within less than a minute, she's got that kitten in its mouth, and she's running to the woods. It's like, dang, that was awesome. It's like she came all up there all stealth-like. You know, she's looking around, and, and then she comes up and gets the kitten. The next, listen, two days later, so four days from the cat originally running out, I'm walking by the shop. Meow. It's like, dang. I had to start. I heard another one up there, but I had to take the soffit off of the, the, the shop to get these cats out of our, the overhang on the shop. It's like, great. And so I'm out there taking stuff down. I finally get the other cat out. You know what? I walk over there, sit it down, same thing. I stood back behind a tree this time. I was like, I just want to see if this thing works again. And so I'm over there, and I'm like, maybe I could ambush the big cat. And so I'm behind the tree, and, and here comes the mama cat, grabs the kitten, runs back into the woods. When I saw that, man, I was like, you know what? That is such a perfect illustration of what God did for us. That is such an awesome illustration of Jesus coming for us. Listen, do you know that when you're in a place where you, you feel dead on the inside, do you know when you're in a place where you feel far from God, do you know when you're in a place where you're eaten up by fear and anxiety, when you cry out to God, he doesn't sit up there looking at his watch, that he doesn't sit there going, okay, well, I don't know if I really want to help them, that God doesn't wake up in the morning one day and decide if he loves us or not, that God responds, that he hears our cry. And his timing is always perfect. His love is never ending. It's never failing. Just as sure as the sun comes up in the morning, God's love is real for you. Just as sure as the sun comes up in the morning, God's faithfulness is real. He is there. He, listen, his desire is that we come to life today. That we no longer walk in darkness, but that the light of Christ would shine in our hearts that we could, could, could find life and be made alive. Listen to this. Let's keep on reading. Verse 11. After he had said this, he wanted them to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him. You know what I believe is happening today? I believe that some people are going to wake up today. I believe that some people are going to wake up to the reality of who Jesus is and realize that we're not in this place to play a religious game, to put on a nice suit or a nice dress, which I see most of you didn't do, and that's okay. <laughs> that, that that's not what it's about, that it is about God. It is about Christ. It is about your relationship with him. It is about him placing his glory inside of you and you becoming a light in the world that shines his glory to everyone that you come into contact with. And I believe today that people are going to wake up to the reality of who God is. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas called Didymus said to the rest of his disciples, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Isn't it funny we always call him Doubting Thomas and yet he's the one willing to go and die with Jesus? Kind of funny. But listen, he says, they say, Lord, if, if he sleeps, he'll get better. And Jesus is like, you know, Jesus had to get so aggravated with the disciples. Don't you know? I mean, probably like he does with us when we keep messing up and doing things. It's like, they'll never learn, Right? Because we get in trouble and then God comes and bails us out and then we're like, okay, cool. And, we, and then we're like, okay, God, I need you, I need you, I need you. And then all of a sudden we're like, okay, I got this. And he's like, y'all just aren't going to get it. And you know he's the same way with the disciples. They're like, but Lord, if he's asleep, won't he get well? Jesus is like, oh. Oh. He's like, okay, I need to heal my own headache, right? He's like, oh. And... and and so he's, he, he, you know, and see, here's the thing about the disciples that we see from one, you know, from the beginning of the Gospels to the end. They were some naive people, weren't they? He's like, he's sleeping. The whole time he's talking about death. And you know, the thing that I realized with, with us about sin is we never think it's as bad as it really is. 
You ever notice that? We never think it's as bad as it really is. We never do. Because we don't realize that the standard is not our neighbor. The standard is holiness and perfection. The standard is God. And we're naive to the fact of what our sin actually does to us. That it has killed us. That we are dead. And that we cannot have life apart from Christ and apart from God. And we become naive to to actually the, the, the actual implications of our sin. Listen to this. Verse 38. We're going to jump over to verse 38. Jesus, and this is after the sisters have come and got him and they've talked to him. It says, Jesus once more deeply moved. And this is important because you've got to understand something. You know what moved God from heaven to earth? You. You know when God sees your, your, uh, your, your situation that, that, that seems to be out of control, you know what moves God to your side? He's deeply moved by you. He is deeply moved by you. And that is hard for us to understand and hard for us to fathom that God would love us in that kind of way. But you know it's true that today God loves us no matter where we've been, what we've done, who we've done it with. God is for us and not against us. And even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That we could come to know him. That's the truth for us today. Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. Listen to this. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Listen, he gets there and he's like, roll away the stone, which is another time where he moves an obstacle to get to you. But, but he says, move, move the stone away. Get the stone out of the way. And they're like, but Jesus, you don't understand. He stinks. He's been dead for four days. You know, you've been around stuff and you're like, you've walked in your house and a rat or something died in the cabinet. You walk in, you're like, oh, glory. What the, you know? And you're like, his dude stinks. Thanks, Jesus, we can't move the stone. And just like, get the stone out of the way. I told you, if you'll just believe, you'll see the glory of God. And, and he says, move the stone. And the thing I want to tell you about that, the thing I want you to understand today is this. God, Jesus Christ, is not afraid of your stench. He is not afraid of your stench. Some of us think we've gotten to a place where we can't come to God because, man, we've just been too bad. You know God's not afraid of your stench. And if we'll just believe, God will show us his glory. And he'll show it to us through us. He will do a work in our lives, taking the dead and bringing them to life. He's not afraid of your stench. I want to read some other verses to you real quick and, and just talk to you about these. Look in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 14 through 16. And I want to tell you the implications of these verses. Verse 14 says, This is Paul writing to the Corinthians. He says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task? Listen, that sounds kind of obscure to us. But what Paul had in mind was a Roman processional. And when Romans would go out to war, one of the greatest honors that their their generals, so to speak, could get would be a triumphant processional back into the capital. And what they would do is when they went out and they totally annihilated an enemy, when they totally annihilated and they brought those soldiers back home, then, then they would come and they would begin to walk into the city And they would lead the the, the commander, the chief, they would lead him in with incense. And they would be swinging incense and and they would bring him in. And there would be just this aroma that filled the entire place. And he would come in and they would celebrate the victory that he had. And he would be lifted up. He would be exalted. And the entire place would be filled with this incredible aroma. What, What he's trying to tell us is this, guys. That Christ is leading us in a triumphal procession. That Christ has won the victory for us. And that when we follow him, we become the fragrance, the aroma of God to God. A pleasing aroma of victory. 
That we wouldn't live in death and defeat because Christ has won the victory. We don't live, we don't, we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. Because Jesus has already won. And when we follow him, we get led in this processional, this triumphant processional. When, where Jesus is glorified and you and I become the, the aroma of Christ. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? That we can go from a death stench to the aroma of God. And that through the knowledge of him, other people begin to sense Christ. That's pretty incredible considering that we were dead. That's pretty incredible considering that according to God's word, we stunk because of our sin, because we were in death. And he says, listen, if you'll come to me, if you'll walk in the victory that I have won for you, if you'll just walk in the victory I have given you, you become a pleasing aroma to God. And for some of us, it's hard to wrap our minds around that when we think of the things we've done. For some of us, the things we did last night. It's hard to think about us being a pleasing aroma to God. And yet God's word is true that in Christ we are clothed with his righteousness and we become pleasing in the sight of God. Not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done. We, we begin to be a pleasing aroma to him. And he says, listen, I'm not afraid of the odor. Jesus is saying, I'm the cure for the stench. Just open, just move the obstacle. What obstacle is between you and God today that needs to be rolled out of the way so that the life of God can come in? Listen, if they weren't willing to move the stone, Jesus was handcuffed, man. He was like, listen, if you'll just be obedient and you'll believe, you'll see the glory of God. How many of you want to see the glory of God in your life? Come on. We want to see the glory of the risen Savior in our lives. That's why we're here. And some of you walked in, I'm just be straight up honest, you walked in because it's Easter. Right? But you know there is no such thing as an accident in God's world. You know that you walked in because it's Easter and you thought, I'm just, I just I gotta go to church, it's Easter. But God had a divine appointment for you today. That he had this planned out before the foundations of the earth and that he knew you would be here and that he wants to, to put you into that victory procession so that you can begin to walk and live and be a pleasing aroma to God and to, to share that with everybody you come into contact. Wouldn't that be cool? Like you just walk by and everybody's like, that just, that just smells good. What is that? Because you know, like you'll be in Walmart sometimes and you'll walk by somebody and you'll be like, whoa, that smells really good. What is that? I think I'll walk by them again. And, and, but then you walk by the person, you're like, oh my gosh. You're like, take a bath. You need to go to like aisle 20 where the deodorant is, right? But we have the opportunity in Jesus, in Christ, to become a pleasing aroma. And listen, the thing about this, this processional, there were people who were soldiers who were walking in this processional who, who, were, who were victorious, who were, who were alive. And there were others who had been taken captive who knew we're going to jail, we are in chains, and we're about to die. I want to ask you, which one are you today? Are you in the procession? Are you in this, are you in this life? Are you in this world in, in, in line with the, those who are victorious in Jesus? Or are you walking? No, man, I'm, I'm, I'm bound for death. I'm bound for death. Because God would have you come to him for life. God would have us come to him for life. Listen, the, another huge thing here is this. It says he's been there for four days. This is a huge deal, right? And it doesn't seem that, that big of a deal to us because uh, we, we really don't understand the Jewish history behind this. But to, for Jews, they had this basically a superstition, right? That the spirit of a person would revisit the body for, for three days. But after three days, there was no hope for resurrection. Okay, so is it not interesting that Jesus waited two more days so that he could show up on the fourth day and say, roll the stone out of the way? And I believe he did this for one reason. He wanted to show the Jews. He wanted to show people that, listen, I'm bigger than your superstitions. I'm not bound by your religious beliefs because I am the living God who will roll the stone out of the way and give people dead people life. He's saying, I'm bigger than superstition. But you know what we see in church more today? More than seeing Christianity, we see superstition. 
we see superstition. I want to tell you the first, I'm going to give you a couple of superstitions that I see in church, and maybe, maybe some of these are registered, maybe not. But I believe we all fall into them at some point in time. The first one is this, that I'm alive because I attend church. You ever seen that? Like people are like, I, just, I go to church. I know Jesus. Right? I know Jesus. Well, it's great to know him, but is he, does he know you? Is he living in you? I know Jesus. And you can tell most church people are dead because they look like they got rigor mortis. Right? It's fun. It's, it's a lot more fun just to hang out with good old sinners. Because they know, like, I'm a sinner. I ain't worried. And they have a good time, right? And you laugh and you cut. So many times we get around church people. And, and the funny thing is, on Saturday night, they're woohoo, woohoo, woo We're whipping it up, we're, like having a big time. And then we get to church on Sunday, we're like this. Like, we got rigor more. Like, we're, you, you can tell we're dead. We're like. And then you got the crazy, the crazy people that actually raise their hands on Sunday, and everybody's like, I don't know about them. They're kind of, they're kind of fruity. And you got, you got, it's funny because you always see like, like, like people in church where people want to raise their hands, but they don't feel like they can. And so they do kind of like the half thing. And it, like, it, it's funny because they like cup their hands and they're like, they're like this. And then they're smiling like this right here. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all seen it. And, and, and it's like, they're going to get like, somebody's going to put something in their hand, right? It's like this. But we look like we're dead. Listen, Jesus is alive, people. He's bigger than, than having to beat your kids on the way to church. You know what? I mean, yeah, you, he's bigger than that. He's bigger than your boss that's a jerk. You know what? Maybe God puts you there so that you can bring your boss to Christ. Maybe by showing the grace of Jesus to him or her. Even when they're being a jerk to you, they're going to go, you know what? There's something real pleasant about them. You know what? When I'm when I, when I mean to you, why are you nice to me? By the way, that's your cue, right? Don't go, I don't know, I'm just a nice person. You go, let me tell you why I'm nice to you, and that's your chance, too, to go, wow, you're a jerk. Don't do that. Don't do that. That'll get you fired. But it's our opportunity to share. Listen, you don't come to life just by attending church. The only way you come to life is when you meet the one that church was designed for in the first place. That's when you come to life. It, it, to think that we can just attend church is to think we can, like we can walk by a buffet and get full. Like you just walk into RJ's on Sunday morning, you're like, whew, <laughs> I don't even know why I paid. I was walking down the hallway earlier today and, and Chris Owens was standing in front of the vending machine just staring at it. I said, Chris, I was like, well, you know, I kind of looked at him. He's like, I just thought if I looked at it, I might get full. And, and he was joking. He's not, Chris is a pretty smart fellow. So he, he, he knew that wasn't, but it's the same thing. We think if I can just attend church, I'll come to life. You know what? And most of us have found this out for years. You can't just attend church and be alive. You only come alive when you, when you surrender your life to Jesus. That means that you don't just say, yeah, I want Jesus' forgiveness. You say, he is the Lord of my life. That means you no longer live. He lives in you. There's a big difference. We like the forgiveness. We don't like the lordship. But you can't come to life just by attending church. The other one is this. I can have life without church. See, people like this too. And you know why people are this way a lot of times is because they got burned in church. See, see we need church. What we don't need is, is, is judgmental people staring down their nose at us, right? What we don't need is, is, is people who say they love Christ, but they're actually in it for themselves, right? That's what we don't need. What we need is, is the church that God designed us to be where we strengthen one another. We pray for one another. We love one another. We, we, we um, are passionate about God and about other people so that we, we want to be at church. We ought to be excited, man. We're coming in to worship the God of the universe. But you hear people all the time, I don't need church to be a Christian. Really? The Bible says that Jesus is the head of the church. He's the head of the body. I've got a little sword backstage. If I were to bring you up on stage and, and I were to say, um, it's a plastic sword, by the way. We found it in some of the props back there. But if I were to bring you up on stage and I had a real sword and I said, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to sever your head from your body. You game for that? You, who, who wants to do that, right? No. Why? Because your body dies. 
You can't cut off your hand and expect it just to be like, you know, living, right? It doesn't live. You cut it off, it dies. And when we cut ourselves off from the church, and listen, we cut ourselves off from the body of Christ because the church is not a building. The church is the people. You are the church. Those who are in Christ are the church. When we cut ourselves off, we can't have life. So there's a lie that says I can, I can come alive by attending church, but there's also a lie that says I can be alive apart from church. Both of them are lies. You come to life when you are a part of the body of Christ, which strengthens itself, which loves and cares for one another. That is when we come to life, when we love God and we love one another. That's where life comes from. Listen to this third one. I can have grace and forgiveness for myself that I'm not willing to offer someone else. Woo! That one like, woo, you're like, get off my toes, right? Because we do that. We love God's grace and forgiveness. But then one of the things that kills us more than anything, and I don't say this as a rebuke, I say this as an encouragement, because one of the things that kills the life of God in us people is this, bitterness, unforgiveness. And I dare say most people in here right now are bitter and angry with someone, and it's robbing you of life. You know, Jesus says that if we won't forgive others, we can't have forgiveness ourselves. And you can study that any way you want to and try to rationalize the way you know what it means. If we're not willing to forgive others, we can't have forgiveness ourselves. We need to forgive. We need to find a way to lay that stuff down. Listen, if you need to come and unload it on somebody, unload it. If you need to back up the, that dump truck of unforgiveness and just lift it up and pour it out, pour it out. But it will rob you of life. It will rob you of life. Don't walk out of here today holding bitterness and unforgiveness. Because you know what? The problem with it is the person that you're mad at, the person that you're bitter with, they're not the ones that's up at night. They're not the ones that are dying on the inside. You know who it's affecting? You. You. And Jesus died to lead us in that triumphant procession of that, 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 that victory. That's what Jesus wants us to have. Don't let bitterness and unforgiveness rob you of the life that you have. Another one that we buy into is this. I can find life because good is good enough, right? We look at other people around us like, you know, I ain't like them. We do that all the time. But remember, the standard's not, not me. The standard's not you. The standard is God. And the only way we can ever measure up to God is through Christ and clothing ourselves with his righteousness because he lived a perfect life and died for us. He took the wrath of God. It was God's righteous way of righteousing the unrighteous. That's what Jesus was. The righteous way. Because if God didn't punish sin, he would have become unrighteous himself. But through Jesus taking it upon himself, he made us righteous in him. We can't be good enough. We cannot be good enough. I was out at Mill Creek um, struggling to walk and run the other day. And the, the work camp was out there, and, and they were weed-eating and cutting grass. And I was walking. I'd run a couple of laps, which is more like a fast walk. And I, I, I'd finished, and I was like, I'm going to walk one lap. And so I was walking, and I come by this guy um, with a weed-eater on his shoulder, and I walked past him. And right when I walked past him, I felt like the Lord just spoke to my heart, just impressed upon my heart, you need to go back and talk to that guy. I'm like, no, God, I'm good. <laughs> and so I kept walking. And the further away I got, the more I started feeling in my heart, you need to go talk to that guy. I'm like, Lord, really? I, don't, I really don't need to. I'm good. I, I really, you know, he's busy. He's working. And I don't want to just, and then finally I was like, okay, God. And so I turned around. And, you know, everybody thinks that just because you're in ministry, like it's easy to go and talk to people about Jesus. Uh-uh. My heart was beating 100 miles an hour because I'm like, I'm stalking this guy. And so I'm, I'm walking, and he's over there weed-eating around the pole. And, and so I get up to him, and he's weed-eating. And so I'm like, now what do I do? And so I'm like looking like I'm tying my shoes and waiting on him to get done. And I finally, I was like, okay, he, he quit. And I'm like, okay, God, what do I even say? How do I, how do I even start this conversation? And so I walked up to him, and I was like, sure is hot out here. <laughs> he's like, yeah, man. And I did the old thing, you know, like about the weather. You know, he's like, it sure is hot out. He's like, yeah, it is hot. I'm like, don't know what it's going to be like in June or July. It's, gonna, it's hot. This, and we know what it's going to be like in June or July. It's going to be hot. <laughs> we always say that. Is this hot now? It gonna be? It's going to be hot, just like it was last year and the 100 years before. It's going to be hot in June and July. 
And so I told him, I was like, man, I don't know what it's going to be like. And, and he was like, I don't either, man. And I was like, how you doing? How's your mom in there? Are you good? You know, I, I didn't say that. But I said, and then finally I was just like, man, listen, I, I just want you to know I felt like God. And this is when, you know, you kind of like people look at you strange sometimes. I was like, I just felt like God really put it on my heart to come and ask you what I could pray for you for. And his entire expression changed. He's like, really? I said, yeah, man, what can I pray for you about? He's like, well, I'm getting out in a month. He said, we would you just pray for my family and my son? He's like, man, that'd be awesome. That'd be great if you would just pray for them. I was like, yeah, I will, man. And I said, what's your name? He said, my name's Patrick. I said, well, Patrick, I'm going to be praying for you, man. And I want you to know something. God's got a plan for your life. And he sent me back here to tell you that he has a plan for you and he wants to do incredible things through your life. And he was like, man, God, that, 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 that's awesome. Thank you so much. I said, my name's Brandon. So I'm a pastor here in town, but I, but I just really felt like God told me to come back and tell you this. And then this guy hits his knees and he just starts crying. He really didn't, guys. But, but he, he did like, he, you could tell it meant so much to him. And I was like, I'm going to be praying for you. And he said, you know what? I said, do you have a relationship with God? He said, yeah, I do. He said, I've just done some bad things. I made some bad choices. I said, man, you've got to understand, we've all done that. We've all made choices that were bad. I said, that's why we need God. That's why we need Christ. Is because we've made bad choices. And he said, but I'm going to make them right. And when he said that, I knew he really didn't get it. I knew he really didn't get it. I knew he really didn't get Jesus. Because here's the deal, guys. We can't make it right. Jesus didn't die for our morality. He died because we were dead. He died because spiritually we were guilty of sin against a holy God. And apart from him, Jesus, we could not come to know the Father. I was like, man, you you just got to trust God. You just got to trust him and what he did. He's like, all right, man. And and, and I walked off and I'm like, you know, all I can do is pray for the guy. But I pray that, that it'll sink in that, listen, you can't make it right. The things we've done, it's done. It's the past. Move forward in victory through Jesus. Move forward in life. Good's not good enough. Perfection is, and it only comes through Christ. And he places that upon you so that you can move forward with God. The last one is that I can be alive and not care if anyone else is. So listen, if we are in Christ, we should have a heart. For other people to come to life. We should, we should desire right now, if you're a Christian, I would ask you to be praying that today we would, we would begin to see people come to life. Be praying that God would begin to open their eyes to the realization of who Jesus is. Because I believe this, to be void of a desire to see other people go from death to life is to be void of Jesus. To be, it is impossible to love Christ and not love his people. We need to be going after people. We, we, we need to be reaching out to people. That aroma of Christ needs to permeate our life so that people can go from death to life. How awesome. Listen, if, if we were to announce today, first of all, you think we were loony, but if we were to announce today, like today at four o'clock, we're going to raise a dead man. Today at Fort, right here, we're pushing the coffin in and we're raising a dead man. How many of y'all would want to see that? You'd be like, heck yeah, I am going to be there. You'd be like, they might be crazy, but just in case, I'm going to show up. You would be, listen, we have the same opportunity, people. We have a God who takes people from death to life. That's what he desires to use us for. That's what he desires to have happen today is people who are dead on the inside come to life. Now listen to this. This is the awesome part of this story. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Listen to this. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. 
The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. See, we read this as flat words on a page. There's an exclamation point behind that, an exclamation mark behind that. He said, Lazarus, come out. And I believe that God is saying the same thing today. I believe that he's calling some of you today. Come out. Come out of the tomb. I died so that you could have life. Quit hiding behind a religious wall. Quit hiding behind, behind fear and anxiety. Come out and come to life. That is God's desire. That's why we have Easter. It's not so that we can have bunnies. And I mean, come on, Easter is for Jesus, right? Amen. Silly rabbits. <laughs> and today God would tell us, come out. Come to life. Do you trust him? Will you trust him? Will you come to life today in Christ? Will you allow the same power of God, the same Holy Spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead to begin to come into your life, to invade your soul and invade your spirit so that, so that, so that you can be alive, so that a miracle can take place today, so that today we go from death to life. And listen, we all, listen, man, we all struggle. We all take our eyes off of Christ. We get into that place where we mope around. We, we look like somebody just, you know, punched us in the gut. But God desires that today we would come to him. We would hear his voice and we would come out. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit of God would illuminate your spirit right now, that you would begin to feel it beating in your heart. And see, here's the thing. I can't preach good enough. We can't sing good enough. We can't do anything good enough to make somebody's heart change. Right now, I am totally dependent upon the Spirit of God to enter you and to begin to change your heart. I can't do it. There's people in here, I want you to have what I have. I can't do it for you. You can't live off of my relationship with God. You can't live off of your grandma's relationship with God. You can't live off your parents' relationship with God. You've got to have your own relationship. You've got to be brought to life yourself. It doesn't happen just by you coming to church. You need to submit your life to God. I've got to humble myself before him. We've all got to lay our lives down so that we can find life in him. If you are willing to lose your life today, you can have life in him. But it takes coming out, guys. It takes stepping out. It takes stepping out into the reality of God. It takes stepping out into the light of God's truth. It takes surrendering ourselves to Him. And that's the opportunity we have. Listen to this. The last thing it says is Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let Him go. There's too many people walking around in grave clothes. There's too many people walking around in bondage to the devil. There's too many people walking around in bondage to guilt and condemnation and sin. There's too many people walking around in bondage to addiction and pornography. There's too many people walking around dead. And Jesus says, take off the grave clothes. Take them off. Jesus didn't just die so you could come to life. He, 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 he died so you could be set free. That's what he wants for you today, to be set free. The God of the universe that created everything, that, 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 that set everything in its place, and that holds all things together. Do you think he's a little busy? Yet he took time out of his day for you. He always makes time for his children. And he loves you. And today, he wants you to come, go from death to life. He wants you to be a part of his body under the headship of Christ. And he wants you to be a living, spiritually alive vessel that his glory begins to be spread throughout the earth. That's a pretty good deal from being dead to spreading the glory of God. That's a pretty good offer. And today, that's the opportunity that we have. Let's pray.